Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 253. And tonight, we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 181, or something, or some random sound effect, because yep, yep. The, um, the title's been censored. Yep, yep. It's C, asterisk, 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 S, which, of course, I saw it. I was like, oh, is that the bad C word? And Catherine's like, too many letters. And I went, oh, got it. So. Yeah, that, and I got the Patreon email with the illustration for this month's episode, and I'm pretty sure they gave it away somewhere in there, mm. what it actually was. So yeah, I already yeah. knew what they were talking about, but I'm sure they made it on purpose look like they were talking about something else. Yeah, definitely. Before they started the episode, they also let us know that on February 11th, we've got another live show. It's going to be The Investigators. Which I'm fairly sure I've never seen. I don't think I've seen it either. It doesn't ring any bells. But God, it's been a while. Yeah, I think they said that they did this in 2015. And that might have been just shortly before I started actually listening to the podcast. I can't remember. I don't know. Anyway, uh, those are usually $5, $6 with the fees. Highly worth it just to watch everybody have such a good time over Zoom. It's great. It's You should definitely do it. They always look like they're having so much fun, and they dance. <laughs> yes! So we open the episode, uh, City Council is having a hearing. They're talking about legalizing... You know, they always make this really weird sound when they talk about it. And it seemed like they were talking about a couple of different things, like variations on the beginning topic. So they would repeat the sounds, but you couldn't tell when they were mentioning something different. Like at one point, Cecil said something, and it was a slightly different tone, and then he mm-hmm. said, ha-ha, pun intended. So. <laughs> now, Cecil's really on the fence about legalizing this thing they're talking about legalizing, because he's talking about how it's just been kind of demonized for so long. It would be so weird to just talk about it, you know, because normally you'd talk about it with people you're comfortable with, but not in the wider world. And I'm going, he is absolutely describing what it's like having weed legalized in San Diego, in California. I mean, because it really was, I mean, you knew people were smoking weed, but you just, you did not talk about it unless you were comfortable talking about it. And now to not only be at work and talk to people about doing it, holy cow, there were ads in the magazine that we ran for a while. There were ads for it in the magazine. I'm like, this is weird. (laughs) bizarre. We took a break from the city council meeting for the stock tips section of the episode, Mm -hmm. which is rather appropriate considering current events going on and all that sort of thing. But Cecil said there are three ways to make money, make a lot of money. And one is generational wealth, which a lot of people get. And then they insist that they earned it themselves. Mm -hmm. And then there is also crime, which is a fantastic way to make money because some people have too much and you never have enough moving right along the logic is sound yeah Yeah. and the last one is sheer luck and it's funny because i've been seeing that a lot um greg the how to drink guy posted on twitter at one point that said that anyone talking about how to become successful if they don't mention luck at some point they are kidding themselves Yep, yep. I like what Cecil said at one point because he said that sometimes the luck people can be even more tiresome and tedious than the generational wealth people about like justifying how they got their money. And he says, luck doesn't make you interesting. And I went, well, that's, that's really true right there. Yeah. But then the actual stock tip was 
mutual funds. I don't know. <laughs> Something. Yeah, whatever. We went from there to Cecil's Music Corner. And Cecil is not like Michelle Nguyen, uh, knowing all the things about all the music. And he said he's also not like people who have cool 90s cover bands like Steve Carlsberg. And I went, Steve Carlsberg has a 90s cover band? When, have, when did this happen? Why haven't we heard any of it yet? Yeah, we really need to hear about that. But yeah, what Cecil really wants to talk about, you've probably never heard of him, but he wants to talk about Bob Dylan. <laughs> and I know it's kind of obscure and everybody's a little bit more familiar with the album Dookie that he produced and then mm. the music that he did under another name, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, but he wants to talk about things like the Trample at Bone Creek. That's a listen, apparently. I mean, it just goes into tedious, tedious details about that whole incident, as only Bob Dylan can. Well, I kind of want to hear his hit, Oh, to be a Far Seeker. Mm-mm, I like that one. That sounds interesting. Yeah. But, yeah. I will have to tell Nathan about this, because Nathan knows all the Bob Dylan things, so he yeah. will probably never have heard of any of these. But it'll be a reason for him to listen to this episode, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we go back to the city council hearing on the legalization of... We do have a representative from a vague yet menacing government agency, uh, Rich Mays. And I think his whole folksy, charming statement could basically be summed up by the line when he says, seems to me that anybody talking about this should be thrown in jail forever. (laughs) Short and to the point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The glow cloud is there. Definitely has an opinion. Nobody knows what it is. The glow cloud is just (laughs) kind of glowing. So, okay. Um, quick break for a sponsor, and this week's sponsor was Clorox, which ugh, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if this is sort of the sunlight and Clorox sort of thing. But Oh, God, yeah, but I think it could be talking about, it was talking about wiping out your sins and saying that that little voice in your head that says that you are the way you are and the way you've always been and the way you will be, that little voice can be wiped out with gallons and gallons of Clorox. And I went, <laughs> this got real dark, right? Real fast. <laughs> yes, exactly. So moving right along, we had the first installment ever of an audio crossword. Mm-hmm. And Cecil started out and told everybody to make a crossword grid and use whatever materials you have to hand. And I'm like a chump sitting here and sketching <laughs> out a, a little box with a whole bunch of other little boxes and whatever. And Cecil says, and it's going to actually look like this sounds. And he starts making this series of clicking sounds. And I'm just like, flip the table. Why did I even try that? <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you fell for that one. Come on. <laughs> but he gives us some clues. Let's see. Some of the clues are one day. Down is the hat that Henry wore, I think. I kind of like the one that was a basket made from this material can safely hold fear. Mm, one of them was a very long tooth, abbreviation. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was one of the last ones, both across and down, was your secret name, the one that you've never told anyone. That absolutely nobody knows it and you've been running from it for your entire life. Just write that down in both areas. Well, now they know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) They know who you are, and soon you'll know who they are. They'll be coming for you soon. (laughs) Lovely little bit of classic Night Vale there. 
Very nice. We go back, and the hearing is now a brawl. Everybody is shouting. You've got protesters with their completely censored signs, so it's kind of hard to tell what they're saying and everything. Oh, uh, my God, I have another fan art idea. It's a whole bunch of people picketing with their protest signs, but they've got the little taped-over sections where the secret police have censored them. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, the police are calming people down by hitting them and kicking them, because that's a good way to calm people down. It really is a comment on current events, isn't it? It sure is, but city council banged on gavels with eight of their 17 hands and they finally said enough it is now forevermore going to be completely legal to talk about clouds <laughs> and see i didn't see the same email that you got so it was a complete surprise to me i'm like oh that's what we're talking about okay, that does <laughs> that does fit the right number of letters in there okay and cecil was delighted because suddenly he could say it and talk about things like stratosphere and cumulonimbus and everything and completely without any kind of censoring at all and he said what better time than now to talk about the weather Ha ha, that was clever. <laughs> they just, I mean, every time you think they've run out of ways to segue to the weather. <laughs> the weather this week was called Whatever Happened to Jim Crow, and it was by Black Guy Fox, and definitely appropriate for Black History Month, which started uh, today as of time of this recording. I should say so. It, when it started out, it sounded a little bit like it was going to be an 80s rock ballad, but mm-hmm. then it kind of morphed to into a little bit more of a 90s sound, and I really liked it. I need to sit down and listen to it again, because I tried to find the lyrics, and I couldn't find them anywhere, so I will oh, have shoot. to actually pay attention. Yeah, they do. It does sound like very clever lyrics. Also, a little side note, I watched the documentary All In, The Fight for Democracy. It's Stacey Abrams' documentary, and it's talking about her um, try at the governorship, which she didn't get. But of course, Stacey Abrams was hugely responsible for Georgia going blue. She got nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. I saw that. I'm delighted. Because I mean, to do the kind of voter registration that she was able to accomplish in Georgia in order to turn Georgia blue. That's yeah. really amazing. Yeah, the documentary it'll make you a bit angry because the kind of voter suppression that's going on is pretty blatant, uh, but she helped turn the state blue despite it, so it's pretty educational. Also, it looks like it's probably going to get nominated for an Oscar this year. We'll know in another month, I think, but mm. anyway, yeah, if you get a chance it's on Amazon Prime, pretty informative. It'll make you mad, but anyway. Um, yeah, so that was the weather, and we come back, and Cecil was talking about when I was a child, which he admits is kind of a vague thing because time didn't really work in Nightville for a while, so he said time being more of a place than a process, and I went, oh, that's kind of nice. That's a nice little uh, sampler to embroider, I think. Time is more of a place than a process. <laughs> but he was remembering clouds, and he remembers looking at them when he was a kid, and he remembers the day that his mother left him and his sister, the clouds are beautiful. And he was kind of angry that the clouds were so beautiful. Yeah. And the whole ending section was really a poem. And it was Mm -hmm. about all these important elements in his life and what the clouds were like on the day that it happened. And it really feels like, you know, being able to open up and legalize discussion of clouds meant that he can more fully appreciate their presence and what they brought to his life experiences. So I like that. Yeah, he also mentioned, he said, to have a part of your life suppressed, something that you have to work around, it takes a toll. And I'm like, that's definitely a metaphor for being able to be open about your life. Yeah, exactly. And and many, many different ways that people are not allowed to be open about their life in one way or the other. 
Oh, my, and he, it's another mention about him and Carlos's son, which surprises me every time. Because I didn't listen to that live show. I, oh, I got to listen to that live show at some point. Yeah, because that was when he was talking about birthdays in the beginning. Or, or no, he mentioned about like even a child can understand about crime being a great way to make money. It's like, are you a child? Are you? Are you five today? So I think it's a, their adopted son is five today. Man, at every time, I'm still not used to that. <laughs> Congrats, Carlos and Cecil. And that was it. That was the end of the episode. So I guess from there, we should probably move on to the weekly sit rep. Oh, what have you got? Oh, um, Passion Fruit Gosa from Raleigh's R&D Brewery. Ah, nice. Stone IPA, to the surprise of absolutely nobody. But Well, I think Deep River Brewery is coming out with a chocolate and cherry ale, and I may have to go grab some the next time they have a food truck there. Nice. So, I guess the one thing that they did mention at the very end of the episode was that they wrote this episode in December and there were many ways that it was appropriate to current events and that was a complete coincidence because the fact that they had the stock tips in this episode, which they've never had before, and we have all the GameStop stuff going on right now, I mean, that's a hell of a coincidence right there. Yeah, and that it makes me angry, actually, that there are people who play with the economy like it's a Monopoly game and then when they tank the economy, they get bailed out because they're too big to fail and when somebody beats them at their own game then they whine and the legislators have to try to come up with some way to stop people from beating them at their own game so redditors you are my heroes at this point that was pretty amazing coming together so i don't know do you Somebody explained it on Twitter in a way that I understand. Do you understand what was going on? I do, yeah. I learned about short selling a long time ago, and I remember Ah. the idea that you borrow stock and sell it and wait for it to drop in value, and then you buy it back and you return the stock and you keep the extra money. And I heard about that, and I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't that encourage people to badmouth a business so that the stock drops? And there we have it. The reason why, what a stupid system that we have. Yep. But the Redditors found out that they were going after GameStop. That's the stock that they were going to short sell. And the Redditors apparently were just like, I've had enough. And so they all encouraged each other to all buy a crap ton of stocks. And they drove the price up like... God, what was it like? Millions, 200, 300 times. Oh yeah, the, it was the, the price? millions of dollars floating around at this point in oh this God. imaginary paper money that, for some reason, our economy is based on. Yep, yep, yep. And so a bunch of hedge funds have had to declare bankruptcy. Aw, aw. Yeah, I'm so sad. Um, yeah. So and now somebody said they did. Whatever company owns Blockbuster, technically the parent company from that, Bed Bath and Beyond. Um, AMC movie theaters and GameStop and someone said it's like 90s kids all remembered their favorite stores to hang out in the mall and they've all decided to support them at once and went, yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. very true I think they're going after the silver market now and uh, yeah. what they need to do is go after the oil market and shake some sense into everybody there because I remember at one point someone suggesting that the only way we could stop the stock market from being so volatile is to only have people be able to to buy the physical oil, not just like stocks mm. and oil, but they would have to actually prove that they can store and warehouse the oil that they are buying, not this like idea of the oil. Like, mm, 
Yeah, well, it's an idea. I don't see it ever happening. No, but I mean, it's a no. possibility. I don't know. <laughs> and, and you know, folks, if we're completely explaining this wrong, please, you know, write a comment. Any of the five of you who are watching right now, somebody's <laughs> probably got a better grasp of this whole thing than we do. God, yes. By the way, I'm just going to segue here very briefly. Joshua Kay, who is one of our longtime listeners, definitely a super fan. He's actually had a few suggestions for us lately because, you know, he's he knows we like to hear from people and he's really good about chiming in. And I've been really terrible about relaying his words. So I thought <laughs> I should probably go ahead and relay some of them. For one, he said something like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely always happy to be part of the Fab Five. And I was like, Fab Five? He said, yeah, your five listeners. I'm like, oh, duh, I'm such an idiot. Yes, our five <laughs> listeners. Some things that he would like to hear on the podcast, he would like to hear what has been our favorite sit rep beverage that we've sipped. So mm, at some point okay. we should make a list of some of the stuff we've gone through. I mean, Stone IPA is the one that I drink all the time, but I'm sure I have some favorite ones that I can throw in there. He also wanted to hear... We've done an episode about shipping. I mean, that was our 200th episode, Ship All the Ships. But he'd like to hear what's our favorites. And so that would definitely, that would be tougher because we had a huge amount in that episode. But to like distill it down to our top three or something, I'm like, oh, God, that means that like choosing between your favorite children or something. Right. And also kind of a panicky feeling with the fact that you and I really do think that the fact that we shipped characters caused one of them to die. I know. If you say it's your favorite, then all of a sudden, oh my God, somebody's going to (laughs) die. He was also, and I'm basically going through my conversations with him to try and get all the things that he's been telling us lately. He was listening to the Night Vale episode, The Debate. And in that one, Hiram McDaniels says that he can regenerate limbs. So Joshua was wondering if maybe we'll get a new purple head. Ah, oh, that is yeah. a wonderful deep pull there. I did not know that information. Nope, nope. Had no clue whatsoever. So I'm like, you know, I like your idea of him having a ghost head. That would be cool. But if he had a new head, would it be the same? Would it be a completely new personality? If it was the same personality, would the other heads be mad at him? Because, you know, they definitely had some tension going on between them for a while. So, so many possibilities for storytelling. I hope we're going to find that out eventually. Yeah, well, it's been probably a couple of years now since we've seen Hiram McDaniels on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing, he recommends the podcast, It Makes a Sound, which I haven't listened to yet, but I know I've heard of it. Have right. You heard that's, of it? that's not the one about, uh, no, Start With This is the one that's about writing. So I yes. haven't, I don't think I know anything about It Makes a Sound. Okay. So that's definitely on our list of things to pay attention to. So thank you, Joshua. We always appreciate hearing from you. That's really very cool. Super fan. <laughs> Um, back to the sit rep. Sorry. Um, yeah, the uh, COVID-19, the rate of infection is slowing. And oh. we were now, we're under 150,000 new cases a day. And we're also, last, last couple of days, we're under 2,000 new deaths in the U.S. a day, mm. which is the more important statistic, I think. But, you know, any of them would be good. Because, of course, all the things that people normally have to deal with, chronic conditions, accidents, cancer, all that sort of stuff, it still goes on while you're dealing with hospitals being overloaded with COVID-19. So everybody, please, I know we've got vaccines starting, but still, wear your masks, social distancing, wash your hands, please try to limit all this, you know, 
big gatherings because you know you pointed out last time we recorded a podcast one of the reasons why the drop in new numbers is that we're far enough away from new year's eve which was mm-hmm. like a huge source of new infections so oh, we yeah. know that social distancing works because we see how much better things get when we're actually doing it. Yep, yep, yep. So in Los Angeles, where the infection rate is super high, they have opened up Dodgers Stadium to be a big vaccination clinic. And at one point, I believe in 15 hours, they vaccinated 7,000 people. So, which sounds great. However, there are millions of people who need to be vaccinated, so they're still working on it. But, uh, you know, apparently, I believe Blue Cross is going to be responsible for vaccinations in California now. I know they've opened the state back up because everybody got mad. And I'm like, oh, God, guys, really? But then again, they say they opened the state back up from what I was seeing. I mean, I have people inviting me. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, they've got the patio open at this bar. You want to go out there? And I'm just like, why? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite suggestion is for people to reach out to the company that sets up those Halloween stores every year and basically oh, wow. take over any open building, any unused warehouse or unused storefront area and turn it into a Halloween store in the space of like a week. So oh, those God. guys would get it done. They really do. God, they are everywhere. They get up so fast. Oh, <laughs> just suddenly turn around. Oh, that's where it is this year. Um, but other than that, we're safe. Mom and dad are safe. Hannah's safe. Hannah's, she was really angry on Twitter for a very good reason is that somebody that she knows was, you know, complaining about how, what a stupid idea it is to have to wear a mask when you're in a restaurant and they've been going out and still doing their activities and they've now given their entire family COVID. Oh God. Yeah. And of course, Hannah's near mom and dad. So Hannah, of course, doesn't do anything because she's terrified of bringing it back to mom and dad. Right. Mm-hmm. And people just don't seem to get, it's you know, COVID-19 is a living organism and what it feeds on is people. And as yeah. long as you allow the infections to continue, you are still feeding it. So that's, yeah. that's why it's a big deal when people say, well, as long as you're social isolating, you know, why should we have to bother? Because you're continuing to spread it around. It won't go away until we stop it from spreading. Yeah, I heard one of the new messages because now, because we have a different administration, I finally started hearing on the radio commercials for getting the vaccine and suggestions on how to social distance and everything. You know, it's like a whole new world now. But they talked about we're not safe until everyone's safe. Right. That's the idea. So we have to we got to look at the whole big picture. Anyway, we don't want to. We don't want to beat a dead horse on this one. You know what we think. If you're a type of person who doesn't believe in vaccinations or social distancing, I'm not sure what you're doing listening to this podcast. (laughs) But um, Anyway, moving on to other things. You just finished reading something this week. I finally, and I crammed those last few issues really, really fast, but I finally finished reading the Wicked and the Divine. And my, my mind is, I was in a daze when I finished that. I was, yeah. I mean, so much about this series amazes me. The artwork, for one thing. I mean, Laura, the character, no matter what her iteration was in that series, she was always beautiful. It was gorgeous. always like one of the most gorgeous parts of the entire page is the part that would involve Laura. Not just how she looks, but also like how her hair looks and the fashion and everything. Oh my God. Speaking of fashion, okay, so let's do it this way. We're worried about spoiling things because we really want to encourage people. If you haven't read it, we want to encourage people to go read it. 
But at the same time, it's really hard to talk about the stuff that really blew our minds without spoiling it. So we're going to do a quick talk up front that doesn't spoil anything to give you an idea. And then we're going to drop a spoiler warning and you can jump to the end of the podcast. So, um, yeah. So at short version from you, how would you sum up the series? Okay. So every 90 years, 12 people suddenly become gods and they, it's, it's almost a performance centric thing. They are basically able to give these fantastic, unbelievable music performances that involve magic. You know, they have the ability to move things with their minds and create light displays and sing in a way that mesmerizes everybody. So they become megastars. And in two years, they die. Mm -hmm. So it is happening now. It is happening again. That is how the series starts. We've already had... I think the 12 have already been identified. No, no, only I think about 11 have been identified by the time the series gets started. Um, I forget the numbers because I think they said 12, but it turns out it's actually 13 because right. there's yeah, one but, extra one. But there was um, the Norns were... That's right. You're right. You're right. Right. So there is somebody whose name is Ananki. I think it's how we pronounce her name. It's elderly woman, wears this very interesting kind of metallic veil sort of thing. And she is the one that seeks out the people who are the gods to be. And she awakens them. And yeah, that's, I don't know if we could go any further without spoiling the hell out of stuff, but is you will see in this series, some of the previous gods, you will see all of the previous years that they appeared in a way that will just, I mean, like I said, dazed. I was so dazed because as soon as it starts picking up, the pace just gets relentless. Yeah, because you're you're enjoying the series. It kind of goes in like to the nature of celebrity and the nature of fandom. Like she goes to a convention at one point, which kind of duplicates just about any kind of pop culture convention that you've been to before. But... I don't know, it looks at self-worth related to celebrity and obsession, and it is fashion and music and mythology, but it's not it's not pedantic and it's not overly intellectual. It's it's there, but you can enjoy it completely independent of all those really deep cuts that are in there. And you're reading it and you're enjoying it, and it's 45 issues total, not counting some of the standalone ones. But I swear to God, you get to about, I think it's issue 33, and all of a sudden you're like, what? And then you just read nine issues in a row all at once. It literally, just, you can't stop. literally nine issues, just sitting there going, okay, one more. All right, one more after that one. When I was reading it, and I, of course, got into this, I started reading it three months before it was due to stop, because of course. And so I was thinking, okay, well, I've got, you know, 40 some odd issues so far and three more left to be released. So if I just sort of dole these out a bit, I can make it last a long time. And then the one night of the nine issues, I didn't even own those issues. I was on Comixology going, what? Buy the next issue, read that. What? Buy the next issue. <laughs> over and over. And they're only like $1.99 per issue right now. Or you can buy the collected issues and save yourself a little bit of coin. But yeah, it, the story just goes in a direction that you're just not expecting. Never, never expecting it. And it just, it goes into, it goes into relationships, but the writer didn't really feel the need to show you every element of the relationship. Like at one nope. point, 
two of the characters are flirting and then the next thing you know they've been like having sex for like the last few months and just like yeah. hang on when did that happen and you're you're constantly kept off balance with this series it jumps around in time so much you're seeing you're seeing something happen and you're like wait i don't understand what what's going on here and then five issues later they will jump back and tell you what you missed in that little gap and you're like oh okay i understand and you will think that you understand everything and then you find out that somebody has been lying and then it Mm -hmm. happens again and then it happens again yeah it's mind-blowing and pretty and they have guest artists come in stephanie hans does an issue or two and you had told me that there was after i finished reading issue 39 you told me i needed to read this collected graphic novel of some like one-offs and one of them was the stephanie hans one and you said they were good and some of them are not optional I don't think any of them were optional. <laughs> no, reading yeah. that, I really feel like every bit of it was necessary to figure out at least a little bit of what was happening in the end. There was one in particular, and that was the one where you see the woman kind of wearing a steampunk eye patch type of thing. Yes, exactly. That was incredibly important to the final story. Out of all the others, I felt it gave you some more nuances. And Kyron Gillian, who's the writer, he says none of them are optional, but I feel some of them just give you a little more understanding that one though with the steampunk eye patch mm-hmm. you have to read it or part of the ending doesn't make any sense at all yeah and it even had a callback in that prose one that was maybe it was only a bit of a wade because you're used to reading that flip 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 of of illustrations and in mm-hmm. this prose and suddenly you're like eh, slow way down and read that but there was a callback to that one with the steampunk eye patch which yes, i it took me a minute to realize oh that's what they were talking about right exactly okay let's go ahead and drop the spoiler warning in here um if you are wanting to read this series which we highly recommend it you can go ahead and stop now this will be the only thing we talk about this episode to keep the episode from going on too long um so we will see you next week but for anybody who has already read it or has no interest in reading it but still wants to hear some of the juicy stuff spoiler warning so issue 36 that was the one where it just, it's Ananke greeting the destroyer, I think, every time. And that was, okay, now, so the kicker, if I understand what was happening, Ananke and her sister both realized when they were, I guess, in their teens, and this was mm-hmm. thousands of years ago, that they were, they had powers, And they reached out and found other people who had powers. And what they were eventually able to realize was that every 90 years, 12 people would awaken to these powers. Not to be gods, but to actually have these powers. You could spend an entire lifetime learning how to use these powers. And then Ananki created a shortcut because she wanted to live forever. And she realized that the way she could do that is by sacrificing at least four of those once she'd convinced them to take a shortcut that would basically burn through their powers in two years rather than their entire life. Exactly. They, and now I've, I've read through the whole series twice and I actually, this week I started at issue 31 and read the last few issues again, just to be prepared for the podcast. There was some idea that 
some of the people who had powers had already kind of figured this out, that they could believe a story about themselves, that they were greater than anything else around them, and they could do these miracles and huge, big, splashy things. But by believing it, it would drive them crazy and cause them to burn out, because they did have one of their friends had that happen. So that was the, the choices. You could either be big, huge, and splashy for two years and then die, more or less in two years, or you could spend a whole lifetime learning how to use your powers, doing it slowly, making small changes and everything. But she was, the the thing is, people had to believe that the two years, like this whole godhood thing, they had to believe that. They had to believe that there wasn't another option in order for her plan to work. Right. And her sister thwarted her in a way and that's the one where I'm a little bit confused because somehow she was able to force Ananki to also follow her rules while she's right. doing this and one of the rules was that the last one awakened every 90 years is the destroyer is her sister's god character whatever the 13th yeah. one and that was who Ananki was destroying in all of those panels in that yes. one in issue 36 and it's because uh, it's you it's going through time and that artist my god yeoman work there to Unbelievable. do a separate kind of fashion and style and architecture and whatever in the background and it's all just one panel after another of Ananki killing the destroyer or sometimes hu- hugging the destroyer and saying mm-hmm. i missed you and i couldn't quite figure out why she chose that as opposed to destroying right away. I don't know, because also in some cases she tried to destroy the destroyer, and the destroyer ended up killing her, because what we find out, part of the story, what she's done to create this shortcut, and it all has to do with stories. Their magic depended on creating a story and then having that story pull her through time, and I think that's what she and her sister, how they kind of how her sister kind of thwarted her a bit was in order to make the story more powerful, they kind of had to create it together. And so she put in these little caveats that would, you know, kind of make things more difficult. I'm not sure, but by creating this shortcut and sacrificing these four heads, when the 12 would arise, one of them would be a younger version of Anake herself. Mm -hmm. And they would stay separate for this recurrence of all four. But by the end of it, all of the gods would die, including Anake, except for the younger version of herself. And then she would be the true Anake and keep moving forward through time, which is why she's always old when the people appear, because she's more than 90 years old by this point. And then you had issue 37, and you had the little, the younger version of Ananki is obviously getting ready to sacrifice the heads of four of the gods in order to keep this whole process going, this this sacrifice, but she only has three heads. So she counts one, two, three, and then she points at herself and said, four, it'll work. It's got to work. So she's obviously decided it's worth it if she destroys herself, if that continues to pull her through time. And then for 10 pages, it's nine panels a page of blackness with just the year at the top, counting down 90 years. 
and I'm just and I'm and I'm I'm flipping through those. Oh, this is bad. Oh, this is really really bad. And then you had described the moment that happens at the end of those panels that it was kind of like that awful scene in one hour photo. That feeling that you got from it. Yes, because it's just a view of a beach, and then all of a sudden the younger version of Anuki appears. You see her from behind, and then you are right up in her face, and her eyes are just so dead, and she is literally using her fingernails to claw lines through her face and she says never again and you're like oh my god she was like in the darkness for 90 years yeah 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 and it's oh it it just shocked me so much and it was one of those ones where it's such an awful idea i mean it just oh it just stays with you and at the same time you would not give up that moment of seeing that panel for the first time it's it's a really shocking was. moment there unfriggin believable i mean Man, and the fact, I mean, the author even talked about it. They added 10 pages to the length of the issue just to make sure that they could have those 10 pages of black panels, and it worked. Yeah, it it's worked. So you, worked. You couldn't skip that. You could not skip nope. a single frame of that in order to make it work. But what what I keep realizing when I'm thinking back on the story is that Ananki was lying the entire time. Every mm-hmm. bit about what the 12, the 13 gods are going through is a lie. I mean, she's mm-hmm. telling them they're going to die in two years. That's only because she was the one that convinced them to like, you know, take that shortcut and jumpstart their powers. Cause they thought that was how it worked. And she was the one who told uh, the God Baal, that there was a great darkness and the great darkness killed his dad so she convinced him you have to stop this or everybody will die and here's how you do it and this is the part that I have a question yeah what she told Ball that he was going to need to do and I think it was once every once every month four years no you're right it couldn't have been four years they're only alive for two yeah I think it's four months yeah uh he had to sacrifice a child and I am wondering did she do that just to get him under her foot or was there some other reason for because he was his impulse was to save the world and she used that to make him the worst monster almost of all of them yeah yeah i think it i think it was because if for some reason i mean we get to see what happened when he found out that it was all a lie i mean it pretty much destroyed him yeah because he didn't want to kill kids but she had said, you have to sacrifice a child. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. And then this creature called that she called the Great Darkness killed his dad. And so he thought, I, my dad died because I wouldn't do it. So after that, he always, he did it. He was killing children this entire time. And then he finds out, it's all a lie. It's all made up. You know what's even more impressive to me? I don't know why it took me this second reread to figure this out. She had told them, we have to fight the Great Darkness. We have to... The great darkness that he saw was actually something that was created by a completely different thing. She was terrified of the great darkness. The great darkness was what was waiting for her if she died. If she died. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even right. see that. <laughs> I know. It took me the second read to get that. I'm like, oh, my God. That she, yes, she was absolutely terrified of the great darkness, but it wasn't what she told Baal it was. So, oh, yeah. man. 90 years in the dark. 90 so, years God. in the dark. Good grief. Yeah. And that was just to see Ananki being so manipulative and then get killed by Persephone because mm-hmm. 
Anunki killed her family. So, yeah, mm-hmm. she did kind of have it coming. But then to see Minerva, cute little Minerva, innocent little Minerva, and then suddenly realize she is the mastermind behind all of this because she is also Anunki. That was another, like, obviously the moment after the 90 years in the dark was the most shocking moment of the entire series. But you were the one who got in touch with me. And I want to say it was issue 33. (laughs) And that's the first time Minerva says, I'm not working with Anake. I am Anake. And then it flips over and you see three severed heads of little alcoves of the gods that you thought had died. And you see Lucifer saying... Um, am I the only one who didn't know that? And you're like, wait, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? What's happening? I was unable to stop reading the comic after that point. Because it changes everything. Everything. Like when you see everything. that. Unbelievable. And there's so much else in there. There's relationships with people. There's Sakmet, who's the cat war goddess, I guess. And all, she is so messed up. And I loved her standalone issue that was really talking about her backstory. And you had pointed out that the art is definitely different in that one and it's not I think it takes a little bit getting used to but I loved that one because they showed a scene from her concert which is all these people just just in rapturous joy listening to her in this huge stadium and everything and you could just tell it's just the craziest most wonderful experience and there are spectral cats swimming through the audience and everything and I'm like oh my god that looks amazing well you know of course now did Persephone have like a sexual relationship with every one of the gods or I'm pretty sure yeah it's fairly close but she was definitely having sex with Sakmet and Sakmet went on a tear and slaughtered a bunch of people because she got mad that all the rest of the gods had lied to her about mm-hmm. Persephone killing Ananke because they mm-hmm. said, okay, we're going to say this was self-defense. It wasn't self-defense. Yeah. So Sakmet, she cannot stand having anybody laughing at her or lying to her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so she went on a tear. She killed a whole bunch of people. She killed Amaratsu, which... I I think, I mean, the whole time I'm reading Amaratsu and I'm thinking, is it maybe possible that she's not as bad as she's being portrayed? She really was. She She was definitely one of those colonialism, uh, we've got to take this artwork from these indigenous people because we can take care of it better. And obviously, we can value it more. And just on and on and... Sakmet kills her at one point, and then she goes back to Persephone, and Persephone's just lying there in bed staring at the ceiling, and Sakmet comes in, hey, I killed Amaratsu, and then just starts <laughs> yawning, and just like, oh my oh, god. But god. she has this conversation with Persephone, and she says, you remember what I said, I don't like what will hurt me, and Persephone says, lying to you, and Sakmet says, why didn't you tell me? What had happened with Anaki? Didn't you trust me? And Persephone says, no, I didn't trust you. You're too much like me. I don't trust me either. And that was the exact right thing to say to Sakmet there. It was. It but, was. You know, they, they keep talking. And then Sakmet says, and one more thing. And then it goes to this splash panel. And she said, would you ever have told me that Ball was right behind me? And there's Ball, like, in all of his uh, lightning glory behind him in the room, suddenly there. And that was oh, beautiful. Man. That whole oh, scene. It was. I mean, I I was sad that Sockman... See, and that's the thing. They talked about one of the reasons why, in all the previous incarnations, you know, the gods all had to die at the end of those two years. And it was kind of said that, I don't know, you got the idea that they'd just die on their own. But then it became clear that, no, they would sometimes have like a suicide pact, I suppose, and they'd all kill each other or whatever or something. 
But Anake made it clear that they had to die. And then you realize it's because they're going to go crazy if they don't die. And you got to see that in the one, like, the guy who thought that he was actually Caesar. Oh, boy. So bloody. That was really violent. I mean, he went crazy. He totally, the the power that he had caused him to lose his mind. And honestly, Sakmet didn't start out particularly sane, but she definitely started to go crazier. So that was what that was what happened. The power just drove him nuts, and she killed a lot of people. Yes. She ate a lot of people. That was the yes, thing. She, she, was, yeah. she definitely embraced the whole cat goddess thing. I don't know. I mean, summarizing up the end, I don't I don't even know that we necessarily have to. I mean, maybe that can be the one thing that we don't spoil, because for one, it's friggin' complicated, but it does have a lot to do with I don't know, assumptions and Anake was lying the whole time and her sister had also kind of tricked her and then people figured out what was real and what wasn't real and I don't know, it was it was all about just basing that whole idea of they thought that they were gods because somebody told them they were gods, you know? Yeah, and um, yeah, I don't think, we could probably talk for another hour and really not be able to encompass how gloriously strange and deep and beautiful and tragic and violent and just amazing that entire series is. Yeah, and also, I think anybody who's listening who has read the series, there's probably a lot of stuff that we're summarizing incorrectly. I mean, we're worried about spoiling it for people. I think a huge portion of the internet already read this series, you know? It's got a giant fan base, but if we're summarizing anything incorrectly, please shout out in the comments. The one thing, right before she goes into the 90 Years of Darkness, it's interesting. Your interpretation was she went one, two, three, and then she pointed herself and went four. Mm -hmm. I never saw it as her pointing at herself. I saw her pointing at the empty space. It was just kind of like normally she would go one, two, three, four, but she was missing a head. Oh, and so she was trying to go forward with it anyway. Yeah, exa- that's exactly what I thought it was. And she's like, ah, it's got to work. And because you, the look on her face when suddenly her own head erupts into fire the way the others, she doesn't look like she was expecting that. I, just kind I, of- I figured she was going to take her own head, but she wasn't expecting it was going to be like that. So uh, I got it didn't seem like I think her sister commented at one point when you see a flashback that she didn't really have much imagination right yeah yeah I thought that she was just once again trying to take a shortcut I thought she was like well I know I'm supposed to have four heads but I only have three it'll be fine it's got to work and then it really didn't work and that was the only time she ever tried that and you do have to wonder if it was worth it to her at any time because it seems like it's an exhausting way to move through time like every 90 years recycling and then having this whole cycle where you have to sacrifice four but you also have to make sure that the rest of them die at some point without messing things up too badly and she also seemed to have this idea about culling humanity like making sure that because it was a big drive for her towards the end to make some kind of plague that would cause humanity to turn on themselves and wipe a bunch of them out yeah you know then also she apparently was responsible for the black plague at one point Mm. and just because that was how she was going to get rid of a large number of humanity that she didn't think was necessary. I couldn't ever quite figure out why she wanted to get rid of so much of humanity, unless just the fact that things were changing so much was making her job every 90 years more difficult. I don't know. It's either that or just, I mean, she really was just kind of 
kind of evil, you know? Maybe she just did it because she just wanted to do it. It's power, you know? Yeah. I don't know. And, and she couldn't bear the idea of not being around after 90 years, I think. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's so... I. We've only scratched the surface. <laughs> the series is just so, <laughs> so deep and so weird. And then you've got all the little smaller bits, like Persephone's relationship with Ball and Ball's relationship with Inanna and fucking Tara, you know, that whole thing that went on with that. I love that. Every time they talked about Tara, fucking Tara, you know. It's I just, never could quite figure out why everybody hated Tara so much. She had the power, but she would have these concerts and she wouldn't use it because I think she was one of the gods who she wouldn't have ever burned out because she used her power so little. She just wanted to be a musician and a poet and do her own thing and not rely on the power. And at one point, the two kids were just talking about how they didn't, we didn't get screwed over as much as Tara screwed us over when they charged us 50 quid so she could read fucking poetry. And I'm like, people were really angry about that. Yeah, so and it was also based in the eye, this whole idea about the male gaze thing. That oh, yeah. When, you yeah. know, she started, you know, going through puberty and everybody realized she had a hot bod and that was all they were interested in. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, the heckling and the shouting from cars driving by and that sort of thing. And she wanted to make something. She didn't want to just be known for something that she had had no control over in the first place, which meant yeah. that becoming a god was a horrible thing that mm-hmm. Ananki did to her to, yep. to make yep. her, you know, suddenly become the person that is in everybody's eye and they only want the thing that she just can't can't help making that has nothing to do with her mind or her creativity. Exactly. And she, like I said, you know, she never wanted to be a god. She, But in case people misunderstand, these people definitely always had powers. Even Baphomet, apparently, they would have always had these powers. Anake just convinced them that their powers meant that they were gods. Yeah. So, and that they would flame out into... She didn't give them their powers. She just kind of framed a story around it. But, right. Um, oh, yeah, my so, God. Baphomet. Yeah. Baphomet and the Morrigan. Baphomet. What a story. Oh, the, the, wow. whole, the whole scene where the two of them are battling and this mm. big splashy battle with fire and ravens and all this stuff. And in the background, you see scenes of the two of them when they first met at some goth club and were like chatting over a bar and one of them thinking the other one's kind of smart aleck, obviously. And then they both hear a song and they'd be like, you, there's no words, but you can no. see them both pointing up, oh my God, I love this song. And just... Yeah. Oh, man, tore at my heart, that scene. It did. And it just, the thing that happened with her in her triple form and her killing him and how that got turned around and then what he was able to do and then what he did later in the hospital room. And I'm like, it all, the logic pieces just all fit together pretty much perfectly. There were so many callbacks to various things, which is why it bugs me that the great darkness, I didn't get that. (laughs) I know. I know. She only the second reading. She only said it like a few dozen times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, oh man. Anyway. <laughs> and then you know, like I said, you got Baphomet and Morgan, and so in among all these stories about gods and monsters and powers and celebrity and whatever, you also have a story about abuse and how it doesn't always look like what you think it looks like. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That's yeah. That's a really good primer, I think, for people who want to know what an abusive relationship can look like. It can look yes. like from the outside, what it can look like from the inside, and what some of the rationale is about people staying in it. Yeah. So, anyway. Anyway, like I said, we could just, I, we could continue talking and never know when to stop. Highly recommend the series. 45 issues and 
probably 10 standalones. And did you read the funny one and the Christmas one? I did. Yes. <laughs> the one about where's Ananki and she's like calling out to Godhood all of these dogs. And you mm-hmm. are all good dogs. And you see they're all the different characters. And she talks them into like getting into a bag and holding onto a brick so she can throw them across a river and into doggy heaven. And they all like, yeah, that makes total sense. And they get in a bag and she throws it. And then they all wake up. Hey, we're in doggy heaven. And you go back to Anki. I'm not a complete monster. <laughs> that was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. Oh, the one that was all the Scooby-Doo gang. That was hilarious. <gasps> yes, that was, and that, that was where was I great. realized when um, Persephone, like, you know, a couple of people start disappearing and she's like, oh no, all of my secret crushes are disappearing and then later on I'm going to go over here and not try to make out with anybody while I'm there and I'm like she kind of did she had some kind of relationship with all of them almost yeah she really did yeah pretty much anyway (laughs) before this goes on too long we'll stop we'll stop we'll stop stop anyway um, I know we could talk about Laura Olympus but we'll save that for next time since this episode has gone on very very long but anyway That will wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixeladygeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the fan art galleries. Haven't done one of those for a while. Uh, boy, we could definitely do, um, I'm sure we could find some good fan art for uh, Wicked and the Divine. I know yeah. I've posted some to this site, but we could do a whole gallery of them. Yeah, that, that should be uh, our next one, an entire yeah. gallery of the Wicked and the Divine fan art. Let's definitely do that. Also, I've seen a lot of good Wicked and the Divine cosplay. Some really mm. good. Obviously, Amatsuru is one of the most popular ones. Well, it's our, I think her um, her facial makeup, I think, is my favorite. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And Laura, obviously. So, yeah. Oh, but uh, all that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So we won't have Night Vale next week. And I don't believe, well, by next week we won't have the live episode yet. So Not quite, but to... um, I need, still need to watch more episodes of a Legion. And mm-hmm. we will need to talk about Laura Olympus because That's things right. are happening. Yes, things are definitely happening. So, anyway, one way the other. We will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later.
I'm going to get this right in a second. 